Did you know that this podcast is a listener and reader-supported creative effort? It's true, and I can't thank you enough for doing so. If you're out there listening and enjoying this podcast, here's how you can help support the show. Rate and review on your favorite podcasting platform, like Apple or Spotify. With enough ratings and reviews, the show gets picked up by the recommendations algorithms, which is really helpful. I'm told it's an internet thing. Subscribe to the free newsletter at roastwestcoast.com. You'll get more coffee education, more coffee experiences, and you'll find more coffee stories that don't make it onto the podcast. And finally, if you are able, please consider jumping up to the paid subscription option on roastwestcoast.com. You'll be supporting the creation of this coffee effort. And the more paid subscribers we have, the more time and energy can be devoted to creating this program, sharing even more coffee content, and most importantly, connecting more coffee people around the world. Thanks for listening, thanks for subscribing, and thanks for drinking good coffee. I have like a little bit of storm anxiety, which I think comes from like camping and like just always being weather aware. And so I was definitely up late. I also drank a lot of coffee yesterday. So I'm gonna start with with that. And I'm gonna say hello to everyone listening. You're not gonna hear bits and pieces of what Chris and I were just talking about, but I promise you it was so good. (laughs) Welcome to the Coffee Smarter Coffee Podcast Chat, hosted by me, Ryan Wolt of Roast West Coast. Uh, this is the show where we're trying to help listeners and readers of our our podcast and newsletter make better cups of coffee at home, uh, which is one of the great little joys in my life at this point. Also, one of the great stress-inducing anxieties of my life. <laughs> Today, we are going to discuss the the Abid Clever Dripper Coffee Brewer. Joining me once again is my personal coffee sensei, Chris O'Brien. He's the founder and head roaster at Coffee Cycle Roasting in Pacific Beach, San Diego. Though I've heard he is starting to disseminate some of his responsibilities so he can think on a bigger scale about world domination. Chris, you look wonderful. How are you doing today? Pretty good. A little little tired, but that's because I'm not as far into my cup of coffee as maybe I should be for this podcast. Um, but at least I've got the whole thing to enjoy while we're chatting. Well, what is it? What are you, What are you drinking today? Actually, I didn't make this. My, my girlfriend made this for me. And I think it's um, Ethiopia Natural from our shop. Uh, it's Sukutima Natural. It's pretty distinct coffee, so that wasn't too hard to figure out. I watched you take a sip, and I thought, what if he like keeled over right now after he said his girlfriend gave it to him? That would be a weird show. Um, that is her favorite coffee that we have. We have two coffees in the house right now. I think we have our Guatemala and this one. And so I'm, I'm happy she chose it. You know, I know it's her favorite, but it's also one of my favorites. Yeah, really happy to be sipping it and kind of a nice treat to not have to make it for myself today. But I do know how she made it, and she actually made it on a clever coffee dripper, which we're talking about. Today. What? True story. Coincidence. <laughs> well, I have to say, so I bought a bunch of new brewers at the beginning of this show, uh, this season, the beginning of Coffee Smarter. Uh, as its own podcast, uh, including the Clever Dripper and the Kalita and the Melita and the, you know, some immersion brewers and all kinds of stuff. I love this brewer. It's like a, it's a full immersion brewer, but with kind of the style and pouring technique that make you feel cool with a pour over method. 
um, and I'm excited to kind of talk about it. I also have to to say early one of our first episodes was we talked about water and we mentioned a company called Third Wave Water and the minerals that they mineral packets they're creating, um, which you can put into distilled water to create kind of the ideal water profile for a cup of coffee. I also bought some third wave water to try. You and I had talked about how we were either using filtered or tap water, you know, to make our coffee at home. We weren't worrying too much about the details, but filtered was better. I thought I should try this mineral packet distilled water concept. And I'm so angry that I did because every cup of coffee I've made since then has been freaking spectacular. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of a coincidence. I got to, you know, play it out over the long haul, but so far it's, it's really worked. You'll have to try some of the competing products out there too, because third wave water is certainly not the only one to make a product like that. The new popular one is called Lotus by uh, the popular coffee video blogger, Lance Hedrick. And the Lotus uh, water additives are supposed to be very, very well thought of, uh, very highly thought of. And I think they give you a little bit more flexibility than the third wave water. It's not just a one and done. You can kind of customize. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah. So worth looking into. Yeah, for sure. I'm not vouching for third wave. They're not a sponsor of the show yet. Uh, if you're listening yet, <laughs> keyword. But they're just the only one that I've tried for this particular purpose. And so far I've been been pretty happy with the result. There's certainly part of it could just be much more consciousness and awareness about the water I'm using at a minimum using filtered water and then going above and beyond that with this effort. So back to the Clever Brewer. The Clever, I did some research. Uh, it's from the ABID company and ABID is actually an acronym, which means absolutely best idea development, which I think is pretty fantastic. I don't know why that, <laughs> that was their choice. <laughs> It was developed in the late 2000s. Generally speaking, it comes in a heat-resistant, kind of durable, BPA-free polyester plastic. I don't particularly like plastics. I prefer to avoid them in my life if I can. But seemingly, everything about this one is as safe as it, it can be. Uh, so I'm not uh, too worried there. I purchased the larger of the two core sizes, uh, which uses a bigger filter and maxes out at about 500 grams of water. So you can make a pretty big batch of coffee, especially if it's just for yourself, like me. So yesterday I made a full batch, drank all of that, made a second batch, which is why I was, I was pretty jazzed up. <laughs> Am I mistaken in thinking that you, for a while, used the Clever Dripper at the shop? You know, that was the brewer that we used when we um, launched the cart before we opened the shop. And part of it was the plastic design. I was, you know, on a on a cart on the back of a bicycle, and I was worried that, you know, about things falling or, or you know, getting knocked over. The durable nature of the plastic brewer was was very appealing to me. That being said, there have also been some cool studies done on the heat retention of the plastic, and when you compare, um, I think this, the study that I'm thinking of was done about, about cupping bowls, uh, kind of the, the way we, we evaluate coffees, but glass versus ceramic versus plastic, and a, a really good plastic actually has a better heat retention than the ceramic or the glass, even if the, the ceramic's been you know really well preheated. So just interesting kind of, kind of food for thought on that, that the plastic that you think might be you know, a weakness can actually be can actually be a strength, um, and more than just the durability aspect. 
The Clever Dripper is from Taiwan. Uh, company Abit is from a company out of Taiwan. What I think makes this one unique is they have this kind of stopper. You can hear me kind of playing with it at the bottom. So you've got a cone shape like a V60 or any other pour over. And then at the bottom on the flat part is this little plug. When it's pushed in, opens a hole that lets out the coffee. But when it's not pushed in, when it's not set being set on top of a mug or a vessel of some kind, it holds everything that's in the cone inside of it. And so just like a pour over, you're going to take a filter. I use a number four because I have a bigger one. Uh, the smaller size uses a number two filter for you know much a little bit more of a smaller batch. I fold those over, put it in there, add my grinds and my my water. I go through the same process I kind of would with a pour over, at least I do, where I'm adding water, letting it bloom a little bit, let, adding the rest of the water. But instead of having it drip through as you're going, it's just sitting in there like an immersion. So you got to kind of take that into account when you're grinding, grinding a little bit finer maybe than a normal immersion. Medium fine is what they recommend, but there's always a little bit of gray area because everybody's grinder is going to be a little bit different. So I, I do mine a little bit finer than I do my French press. And then I, I time it the same way I would a French press. And when I'm ready, I pick it up and I set it on top of my mug or my vessel or whatever. And when this thing pushes up, you kind of hear it, a little, little ball releases and opens a hole and all of that water starts to drain down. All that coffee infused water starts to drain down. So it's, it's just kind of a cool, fun experiment science experiment every morning. But, and this is just my opinion, it's a little bit easier to be consistent than a regular pour over because it's not so dependent on my pouring style or, you know, I can control the variables a little bit easier. And then I just kind of wait uh, like I would the French press. And laziness is truly a, you know, <laughs> a value that I, I appreciate in the morning. Any thoughts on, on the, the silicone stopper or any thoughts on kind of the style or what makes us unique. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 a very interesting brewer. And when it came out, you know, well, I don't know about when it came out, but when I first became aware of it, it was certainly something that people wanted to play with. People who are coffee nerds, you know, really wanted to like use it to get a better understanding for how coffee brewed in general, because it is got such versatility. I mean, if you leave that brewer on a cup while you're brewing it, therefore leave the valve open, it really does brew exactly like a V60 or a Bee House or some kind of other dripper sort of like that, a Kalita, what have you. And so, you know, it gives you this flexibility and this this um, this kind of adaptability that you don't have in any other brewer. Uh, that being said, you know, you talk about the uniqueness of the, of the valve concept there at the bottom, and that's actually something that's really common in tea brewers. There's There's been a bunch of tea brewers out that they almost look like the clever even, which is probably why it comes from Taiwan originally with a lot of tea drinking culture over there. Someone probably just said, hey, you know, why the heck don't we have this for coffee and can we can we optimize it for coffee? And there have been a couple other products that have come out that do the same kind of job that the the clever does with slightly different mechanisms. So, you know, we switched from the Clever over to the Bonavita Immersion Dripper, which has now been discontinued. And now we've switched over to the Hario Switch. Um, I did not intend that pun or reuse of that. I just pretty much always say it that way. Uh, and the Hario Switch is, is a version of the Hario V60 with a, a slightly different valve concept on the bottom. It's a manually activated one. So it's actually a switch that you press um, once the brewer is on top of the cup. 
Whereas the clever dripper is, is gravity activated. The act of putting the brewer on the cup opens the valve. Now, when I first got the clever and I was first kind of playing with it, I encountered some issues with the way the valve opened. And I'm kind of surprised to hear the way you described how you brew it and that you've achieved some consistent results because what happened with the clever when we were playing with it, we had the larger one as well, is that if we brewed a small cup in it, say 200, 250 grams of water, something like that, it was nice and consistent and it performed really well. But if we brewed a full 400 gram water recipe or you know even more, 500 is really kind of the absolute maximum of, of the clever um, you have to be very careful not to spill it <laughs> over the edge of the filter. We we brewed a 500 one this morning. I'm experimenting. I'm pushing the limits of this thing. I'm trying to figure out where my boundaries were. I wasn't sure how much water I could fit in there. I actually got up to 555 grams oh, of wow. water. Okay. Uh, but that was without the lid. I, I should mention it comes with a lid uh, yeah. that their recommendation is to put it on. I don't know how really valuable that is or not there might be a reason for it i haven't figured it out it'll keep the heat a little higher overall if you leave the lid on my water starts a little hot anyway that's fine but you're right that is that is certainly a value add generally speaking i brew with 300 grams of water and a 1 to 15 ratio of of, uh coffee to water so about 20 grams of coffee that's my normal every day but i did yesterday i happened to be like okay i'm gonna see how far i can go with this thing So we were doing 400 gram water pours and that was where we discovered some inconsistency. And the inconsistency was where we would steep it for say three minutes or two minutes and then we'd let it open up. And the drawdown time, uh, the drawdown time is what we call, you know, the the length of time it takes the water or the coffee now to draw down and to filter through the coffee grounds and end up in the cup. The drawdown time was, had a lot of variation to it. And sometimes it would lock up. And it would just would stop drawing down after half the water had gone down. And it would just, the valve was open. There's no reason that you could think of why the water would stop drying down. It was kind of hard to figure out. And what we figured out eventually was, or at least what we hypothesized, was that the, the weight of the wet grounds at the bottom was basically like kind of clogging where the valve opened up. Um, this kind of soggy paper covered you know, massive wet coffee grounds kind of found its way to kind of clog that up and just the coffee wasn't flowing through. You know, we mitigated that by grinding pretty coarse and just kind of like figuring it out and then dialing it into a point where we we found that the variations were consistent. But around the time that we were having problems with it, uh, somebody else came up with the idea of adding the water first and then the grounds last. We had a French press episode already and, and we don't do that in a French press. We don't do that anytime. We don't we don't add grounds to water. But it turns out that if you fill your clever dripper, put your filter in, fill it with water, add your coffee grounds, and kind of stir them in, that you get much more consistent results with the drawdown time and a lot less clogging. You can't stir too much or you can cause the, the ultra-fine particles to clog your filter. But as long as you stir to kind of break up all the clumps and make sure the grounds are wet and then not much more than that, it should be actually really consistent. Um, and it's just kind of a cool, weird thing that it works. And it kind of kind of breaks my brain just because I'm so used, to, <laughs> so used to other coffee brewing. I have some notes here about that exact thing, the, the strategy of coffee first, water second versus water first, coffee second. I've been doing coffee first because it's I'm still new to it. I'm still learning. I haven't tried the other method yet, but I, I plan on it. I think what the value of the water first, coffee second is, 
is exactly what you're saying, which is that the drawdown is more consistent because it's pulling the water first. But there's an awareness piece there where some of that first coffee that's coming through the filter and dripper might not look, you've got to, you got to drain the whole amount out because it's going to look a little bit lighter. It's probably not going to be as dark as you might expect. And that'll adjust because that water, it's almost like that water isn't equally extracted. The flavor is not equally extracted through each layer of the water. It's going to pull out and then kind of dilute blend together in the, in your vessel, whatever that is. I caution uh, that like when I brewed a bigger batch, I had to drain it into, I wasn't thinking clearly and I had, I didn't have a big enough vessel underneath it. <laughs> so I had to drop it into another vessel, but then I had two different levels of, of extraction and, and it was weird tasting. It didn't taste right. And I actually had to start over on that note. I've been this particular brewer and coffee in general, when we talk about recipes, there are so many variables that are going to affect your ultimate cup of coffee. So I don't want our, especially beginners to get too drawn into this idea that if I don't do it exactly the way of the recipe, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be shit because the reality is, is the, the recipe is kind of your, your base foundational starting point. So if you're saying I'm putting in this much coffee to water that I'm going to pour in hot water and let it bloom for 30 seconds, you know, about three times the amount of the grams of coffee then I'm going to let it steep for two minutes. Then I'm going to do my drawdown, which lasts a minute. And it should end up at exactly three minutes, 30 seconds. Depending on the coffee, depending on how well your grind is, depending on, I don't know, the curve of the earth. I don't even know. <laughs> you know, it might be three minutes, 15 seconds. It might be three minutes and 35 seconds, depending on when you press your little button on your timer. Like, look at yeah. this. This These are the foundations that people are using to get good coffee when you're looking at recipes wherever. And then... Even if you're off a little bit, taste the coffee before making a judgment. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when we talk to, you know, people face to face and we're talking about trying to help them make better coffee and they're asking us questions like this, you know, I try to think of these podcasts as being like that, right? We're just having a conversation. Mm -hmm. We're talking about, you know, oh, hey, this is what, what you can do. And a lot of people are kind of seeking that. They want this perfect, I do this, this, and this, and then my coffee comes out as good as you make it for me every day. Right. Okay. I go to my coffee shop and the coffee, or at least if it's coffee cycle, the coffee is, you know, consistent and good and plenty of other shops too. Uh, but the coffee is consistent and good. And so how do I achieve that at home? And people want to be able to follow your A, B, C, D recipe. You know, they want it to be like baking where you follow the recipe and it comes out the way it's supposed to come out. But sometimes it's like cooking and sometimes it's like baking. And there's like a little bit of a difference in there where a big part of the, the growth in making your own consistently good coffee at home is the experimenting and the learning of what happens when you make a change. So, you know, make the coffee, record it, look at it at three minutes, 15 seconds, taste it, try to remember what that tastes like. And the next day when it comes out at three minutes, 35 seconds, think to yourself, is this really that different from what I had yesterday? If you can do them back to back, that's great because obviously back to back and side by side tastings are the best comparisons because, you know, maybe you brushed your teeth sooner or, you know, maybe uh, whatever you ate some food, whatever it was. But yeah, I think, I think you're just so right when you talk about how people want this recipe to be just so perfect. And part of the beauty is, is actually experimenting with it. And it's funny, you talked about how you, you didn't have the right size vessel. And so you had two different extraction levels and you know, this is actually going to happen in any kind of brewer. 
If you take a Hario V60, which we've done an episode on before, and you're pouring it over one vessel, and then partway through you slide another vessel under there and change it, you can taste those two cups side by side, and I'll give you a sneak preview. Neither of them is going to taste that good. Um, but each one will give you an idea of what's happening during the brewing process. You taste more bitters and sours earlier on. You taste more sweets and body later on. And so it can be really interesting and educational to actually have some mistakes and to learn from them like you did. Well, the reason I brought it up is because I am that person who wanted an exact when it came to coffee because I wasn't confident in what I was doing. I'm still not entirely confident, but (laughs) I definitely am more of a ratatouille type situation where I'm just throwing things around willy nilly when I'm cooking. And with coffee, I found I'm the same way. And so I've learned that like, hey, these, these are my basics. These are my foundations. What I think is really interesting is when you Google search just randomly recipe, clever dripper, brew time, you're going to find 10 different variations that are all like, you know, up and down. People swear this is the one and they're all relatively similar, but with variants, you know, in time or grams or coffee to water, whatever it is. And they probably all make a good cup of coffee for that person on that day, depending on the coffee that they're brewing. And so what I'm trying to say to you listening out there is if it's not very good, it's your fault. No, I'm just kidding. That was terrible. Uh, that's, that's not true. I'm just saying that there's a lot of variables. And so not to get, especially when you're learning, it's okay to make mistakes and try those. Instead of being upset that you had a crappy cup of coffee, which I know is hard because it's the morning and you're like, oh, I really want this amazing luxury in life. It is kind of a luxury to make those mistakes because all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, this is something's off. What did I do there? More often than not, I find myself thinking about it in retrospect. But when I'm putting a little more intention into it, I'll be, I'll, I'll pay, I'll say, okay, I, I set my timer. I did this, I did this, I did this. What was different today from yesterday? And was today's coffee better than yesterday? You said something I want to address real quick, which is recording. I have my little pocket notebook that I love and I keep on me and I write notes in and things. I have a separate one that I just put labeled coffee and I'll make notes about coffees that I, that I like or that I did. I'm not super scientific about it. I'm not tracking every recipe every day, but some people do. You actually in your store have little coffee specific journals that you can, that you sell that people can take with them. And they kind of have a lot of these details already lined up for them. So instead of worrying about what I'm recording every day, you're just filling in the information about the, the, the roast, you know, the time, the water, all those details that we're talking about. And that can be really helpful if you're really trying to learn is that recording process because memories are fickle. Well, and in this day and age, there's also apps for it. You know, there's a a popular digital coffee scale manufacturer, Akaya, and their scales connect via Bluetooth to your phone and then record automatically your brews of the day. So that you can see your weight and your time of extraction every time and, and track that back if you want. And I'm sure that there's other apps that are available that you know aren't necessarily tied into a specific product like that. But Here I am trying to sell a product from your store, a retail <laughs> item. And you're just like, yeah, but you could also do this other thing that's better. Don't do not do that. I don't think it's better. I like <laughs> notebooks. I, I went on a bike ride yesterday. I brought like a bunch of sheets of paper and a pen so I could write a letter. All right, like, <laughs> like I'm a weirdo. Like, don't, don't listen to me on the app thing. I don't have that app. Should I be checking my mailbox? No, no. You've written uh, me letters before, which I love, but I'm not writing you a letter. Yeah, sorry. 
I sent you a postcard one time, and it's I see that it's still up in your bathroom, like five years later at the shop. Yeah, that's how much I love you, you know. And uh, it, it is that still there? Do I need to clean that? <laughs> yeah, you really should clean that bathroom. <laughs> it's clean. Okay. <laughs> Let's run through real quick, kind of some pros and cons, uh, why this this brewer is, is good. I would say that it's very user-friendly. Uh, you mentioned flexibility and variability. I hadn't even thought about the fact that you could use it as just a straight pour-over uh, if you set it on a vessel. So that's really cool that if you want to have one brewer to try multiple things, you can do that. Super easy to clean up and, and rinse off. Uh, you know, Pull your filter out and just give it a good rinse and run the water through. It uses a common filter, uh, number two to number four. You can buy them just about anywhere, and they're really cheap. You know, 10 bucks for a 100-pack is what I paid. I think it's kind of forgiving. I mean, you maybe you comment on that in the way that a French press is. You know, it's it can be low effort. You can get specific, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, well, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because the one other thought I wanted to share about it was that, um, you know, I mentioned some inconsistencies sometimes if you start coffee first and then add water in like larger brews with the larger vessel here at my house, I have the glass clever dripper, which is a newer release that just came out a couple of years ago. And the shape of the vessel at the bottom or the shape of the brewer at the bottom is a little bit different. It has these kind of silicon wings that kind of stick up from around the valve. And somehow that helps it be much more consistent. Uh, and I don't have the same overweight problems uh, if I if I'm brewing too much too much coffee in there, I don't have the same wild discrepancy in, in drawdown times as I would sometimes get from the coffee first method on the the older plastic clever. Um, and I also just like the glass; it does have elements of plastic or, or silicone in there, uh, but they're all you know very safe, heat resistant, totally good to go. But I I really like the glass one; it's pretty, um, makes great coffee. You know, it might not have the best heat retention compared to the plastic one, but it still makes great coffee. That's what I care about. And when we're tasting things, kind of like we touched on before, I, I just always love saying this to people. There's always two things that matter when you're tasting something. Can you tell the difference? And did you like it? It doesn't matter if you get the hint of, you know, wisteria blossom and elderflower or whatever the tasting notes on the bag say. It matters. Did you like it? And can you tell the difference? So is this cup of coffee better than yesterday's? I can't tell. Did I like yesterday's? Did I like today's? Yes. Great. It doesn't matter if it says 3.57 and two minutes, five seconds, you know, day to day. So here I am jazzed up that I can taste things like chocolate and berry and nuts and you're dropping elderflower and wisteria tasting notes. Good grief. Yeah, I was reaching for those. <laughs> <laughs> that was a stretch. <laughs> On the negative side uh, for this brewer, and this is going to depend, we talked about the lid, putting the lid on and off, whether you worry about that sort of heat loss or not, uh, if you're into it that much. I do notice that I have to be a little bit more aware of clumping for some reason with this one. I couldn't tell you why that is, but I have noticed kind of like little clumps of coffee getting up together. So I do make a little bit more of an effort as I've worked through it those last couple of weeks to make sure that I stir a little bit, which I hadn't done with other vessels or other drippers rather. So I do notice that a little bit, and it could just be the type of coffee I'm buying or, or what it is. But I do check to make sure that I give a little stir when I put the coffee grounds in. I'm kind of flattening them out, making sure that everything seems a little bit even. And then there's one other little thing that I saw on a, on a video that someone else mentioned I hadn't thought of. Um, I'll try to find that and link to it in the, in the newsletter. But when you are pouring hot water over the, the paper filter, 
getting everything wet, you kind of drain that water out. There's still going to be a little bit of water on the outside of the filter that isn't fully immersed with these coffee grounds. Does that matter? Maybe a tiny 100 millionth of a little bit. But realistically, if you're draining all of your coffee and water down into your vessel together, it's going to be diluted into everything else. I don't know if maybe you can uh, describe if that's an accurate thought from an amateur or not. Yeah, no, that it's, it's actually, you know, the clever dripper is just so cool because it it highlights so many things about brewing that are important. And that aspect of that little bit of water that's retained in there when you, when you empty it out, it's actually really cool that you have noticed that and pointed it out because what we would refer to that as is bypass water. It might not technically be bypass water, but, but when we're, when we're, Talking about brewing coffee, if there's water that manages to basically not interact with the coffee at all and still find its way into your cup, that would be considered bypass water. And so bypass water that doesn't interact with the coffee is a, is a part of almost all brewing processes, French press being a pretty notable exception. And then there's a couple newer zero bypass brewers out there. But in general, our recipes are built to account for bypass. Some bypass is always going to happen. You know, um, there's a astrophysicist who's gotten really into coffee in the last couple of years and has become sort of famous for writing some things about it. His name is Jonathan Gagne. And he just wrote a, a small paper about partial bypass, zero bypass and full bypass, you know, and the, the different waters that go through. And I think his example is a V60 cone and how there's water that interacts with some of the coffee, but not much of it. And water that interacts with almost all the coffee and water in, that interacts with almost none of the coffee. And just even thinking about that sort of model and sort of knowing that that's happening, you can dial that back and think about what I was just talking about, what, what matters when we're tasting. And you say, okay, I know this happens. I still like the coffee, right? Like it doesn't need to be more than that. It's cool if you want to be an astrophysicist and dive down into exactly <laughs> how much that affects exactly what that affects and how much it affects it. But we don't need to be that. We don't need to have that. We we need to make ourselves a good cup of coffee. We need to maybe be trying to make a better cup of coffee every day if you're like me. But I still don't need to necessarily get to astrophysicist degree of bypass level thoughts. And so I think your your kind of conclusion on that is just dead on right. It's just, it makes such a small impact that I'm not going to notice. You're not going to notice. The cup still tastes good. Um, what other variables should we look at? Well, and that is my kind of some of my final thoughts there. I, I should mention, I didn't mention it earlier, but price point on this brewer is relatively similar to other comparable brewers. It's in that 25 to $40 range. You know, it's going to depend a little bit on if you're getting the plastic or the ceramic or the glass, the bigger size or the smaller size, but it's right in there. And again, a common, you know, filter that's easily easy to find just about anywhere. So uh, relatively affordable. I have been loving it. I think the coffee that I'm making in here that I buy at your shop, I recently had the Mexico that I know is gone now and if you switched out for something new, which I'm a little disappointed in. I think the one I made was better than the one I had at the shop. I'm just going to say it. Oh, he fancy. Yep. Uh, Just saying it. And that made me real happy and I kind of did a little dance in my kitchen. Nice, nice. Any final thoughts from you, Chris? You know, I want to say no, but there's one more. (laughs) And it's just that... um, our effort to make these shows like 15 minutes has not been working. Let's just... No, no. But the, the filter quality matters. Just just look at the different filters that you buy. 
experiment with those. I know you're experimenting, experimenting with water, all kinds of other things, but just since you have one, try different brands of filters, it will matter. I've been sewing my own filters out of old garments. Is that not what you're supposed to do? Um, no, it's definitely what you're supposed to do. I just want to know which garments. <laughs> Here are some key takeaways from our conversation about the ABID Clever Dripper. For starters, ABID is an acronym for Absolutely Best Idea Development. If you're going to develop an idea, I assume you might as well start with the best. The Clever Dripper is designed as a full immersion brewer, but with the option to be used as a pour over. In full immersion mode, water and coffee steep in a cone-shaped filter before being released into a vessel which happens when you place the dripper on said vessel, causing a release valve to be pushed upward, opening the hole at the bottom of the cone. To use as a pour-over, you just start with the dripper on your mug or your pitcher and brew as you would on any cone-shaped brewer like the V60 we talked about a few weeks ago. It's a really flexible, versatile brewer that comes in two sizes, a variety of materials, and will run you about $25 to $40. The biggest thing to remember here is to account for the drawdown time, the time the coffee is draining when brewing to a recipe. A finer grind will cause a longer drawdown time, and a medium grind will speed it up a little bit. That said, recipes are just guidelines. Yes, they are often foundational ones, but there are a lot of variables that come into play. So don't be frustrated if something doesn't come out exactly as you had planned on paper. What's important is did you like it? If not, tweak, then try again. Dialing in a brew is part of the fun. A big pro for this brewer is how user-friendly it is. The biggest con that we've experienced is the potential for the filter to clog. Often when we grind our coffee too fine, causing the filter to push down on the valve, preventing a full drawdown in the time allotted, creating an inconsistent brew. Chris has had this problem more than I have. I have, however, experienced a little bit of clumping, which has inspired me to keep a stir stick nearby. Finally, even in its designated full immersion mode, there are more than one way to use this brewer. The traditional version that we've talked about and the water first, coffee second method. I know, when we talked about that, my mind was blown too. By adding the coffee on top of the hot water and giving it a little stir, you may avoid that filter clogging problem. It's important to remember to draw down all of that batch into one vessel. Coffee flavors, the bitters and the sweets, don't extract at the same time. If you split up the draw, you're also throwing the balance of your coffee all out of whack. All of this information will be linked or referenced in the Roast West Coast newsletter, along with a link to astrophysicist Jonathan Gagne's work on the Ad Astra Coffee blog. You'll also find the water mineral companies referenced and a starting point recipe for the Clever Dripper and some coffee vocab in the Coffee Smarter Clever Dripper edition of the newsletter, which you can find and subscribe to at roastwestcoast.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Please take a second to rate the Coffee Smarter Podcast on your favorite coffee podcasting platform. And if you're looking for more coffee content and you enjoy hearing the inspiring stories of entrepreneurs, check out the Roast West Coast Coffee People Podcast. There you'll find the original Coffee Smarter segments mixed in with interviews with some really inspiring coffee industry professionals, roasters, baristas, coffee shop owners, farmers, artists, and more. And the Coffee Wizards in those first episodes make up quite a few of this show's industry partners that I always reference at the end of the show, including Chris from Coffee Cycle Roasting. This show's other partners include Steady State Roasting, Ascend Coffee Roasters, 
Morea Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Ignite Coffee Company, First Light Coffee Whiskey, Cafe Terre, and Moster Coffee Company. Once again, I can't thank you enough for listening to this show. The goal of the Coffee Smarter Podcast is to enable you to make a better cup of coffee at home, or at least provide you with a bunch of information that will enable you to make smart coffee choices. If that's been working for you, please tell a friend. There's always room for more listeners. This podcast is part of the Roast West Coast Coffee Network. You'll find Coffee Smarter Show recaps, details, and more coffee information at roastwestcoast.com. This episode of the podcast is, was, has been written and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. Chris O'Brien has joined me as an executive producer. Until next time, coffee smarter and drink good coffee. I think that was a pretty good show. (laughs) I enjoyed it. This podcast is supported by Ignite Coffee Company in Oceanside, California. You can also find them online at ignitecoffeecompany.com. Founder Tyler Whitehead is a third-generation Oceanside entrepreneur whose dream has always been to provide a welcoming space where his fellow community members can mingle, study, and even create the plan to pursue their own dreams all over a cup of really, really, really good coffee. That's three reallys, so you know it's true. Visit Ignite Coffee Company on Mission Avenue in downtown Oceanside, or order coffee beans roasted fresh for you on IgniteCoffeeCompany.com. <laughs> that is the sound of our new dog's tail. Uh, slapping against the wall of the podcasting booth for all of you out there listening. This is what I'm dealing with on a daily basis. It's it's insanity over here right now. Also, adopt a dog. Dogs are great. Okay, puppy. Out you go. <laughs>